What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews, exclusively here, as always, on the Casa D18 Studios channel. I, of course, am your host, the Renegade JJ Williams, and today we're going to be talking about Back to the Future Part 2. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. From 1989, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Thomas F. Wilson, and Elizabeth Shue. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me here once again today on another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews. And today we're going to talk about the first sequel in the trilogies month. Once again, as I said yesterday, no better trilogy to kick off the month, month with than the Back to the Future trilogy. Back to the Future Part 2, honestly, has always been my personal favorite of the trilogy, especially being somebody who was 10, 11, 12 years old when these movies were coming out. So the, the thought of looking ahead to 2015 and what it could be very much was appealing to me. Granted, virtually none of it came true, but alas, here we are anyways. Film begins, and it's October 26th, 1985. Marty has seen his girlfriend Jennifer for the first time since his time travel adventure. However, the party is cut short. Doc Brown pulls up in the DeLorean, tells them that they need to come with him to the future, Something's got to be done about their kids. Marty tells Doc to back up. They don't have enough road to get up to 88 miles an hour. Doc gives us his classic line of roads. Where we're going, we don't need roads. The time machine begins to hover and fly as it zooms into the future. And we see Biff Tannen, who's been working for George. He's been buffing up his cars, doing the auto detailing that Biff has now. Biff sees the time machine disappear. Time machine reaches its destination, October 21st, 2015. And upon arrival, Doc zaps Jennifer with a little gadget designed to knock her out for an hour. Doc and Marty place her into an alley, and they begin to put their plan into motion. And at first, Marty's a little hesitant about leaving her in the alley, but Doc assures her, you know, everything will be fine. We're only going to be gone for a few minutes. Nothing can happen. Of course, we all know, whenever someone says nothing can happen, something always happens. Now, Marty needs to pose as his son and refuse Griff's offer to participate in the night's festivities. By doing so, Marty will save his son from prison, as well as his daughter, who tries to break him out after his son gets jailed. And Doc is supposed to zap the real Marty McFly Jr. with the same gizmo that he just used on Jennifer. That way, the real Marty doesn't get involved and mess up the whole plans. This is already getting a lot of fusing, confusing with so many different pieces of the puzzle. But alas, that's the way the movie is. But due to the fact that Doc used the gizmo on Jennifer, it doesn't have enough strength to knock out Marty Jr., who they need to knock out. Marty McFly, our Marty tries to replace his son, but his son ends up showing up due to the weakened dosage. Marty Jr. gets bullied very much like 1955 George did. Griff just uses and abuses Marty Jr. But Marty is able to pull his son down behind the counter of the restaurant and tells Griff, no, I'm not going to do 
what you want me to do. Griff goads Marty into a fight, and a chase ensues. This time, instead of a skateboard, it's a hoverboard. Marty outsmarts Griff, and he and his gang crash into the clock tower courthouse. Griff and his gang are arrested, which saves Marty Jr. from jail. Marty then picks up a souvenir at a store of Gray's Sports Almanac. The results of the last 50 years, 1950 to two, year 2000, sports statistics. Doc discovers this, and he warns Marty about the perils of profiting from time travel. And before they can properly dispose of the item, the police find Jennifer in the alley. They assume that she's the Jennifer from 2015, as they assess her identity via thumbprint, and your thumbprint never changes. So the police take her to her house. Marty and Doc follow the police car, and Biff from 2015, who sees the almanac get disposed of by Doc, just throwing it into a trash can, grabs the almanac, jumps into a cab car, and follows the DeLorean in that. See, all the vehicles in the future have had conversions, so a flying DeLorean now isn't that strange as it is in 1985. All cars can fly and hover. Jennifer awakens in her future home, and she hides from the McFly family because she doesn't want to be seen. She overhears how her life isn't exactly what she expected it to be. Thanks largely in part to an automobile accident that Marty had where he crashes into a Rolls Royce. She witnesses future Marty get goaded into a shady business deal by his co-worker, Douglas Needles, played amazingly by Flea, the bassist of Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way. For, for as little screen time as he has in this in part three, solid performance. She witnesses him get goaded into a shady business deal, and it results in his termination. She even intercepts a fax saying that you're fired, which she keeps with her. She tries to escape the house. Doc tells her to put her thumbprint on the plate, and she ends up running into her future self. This causes her to faint from shock. Doc and Marty tend to Jennifer, and Biff steals the time machine, goes back to a predetermined destination. We'll find out when a little bit later. Don't get too far ahead of me. Gives the almanac to his younger self and returns the DeLorean to where he found it so that nobody knows. Marty, Doc, and Jennifer all return to 1985, unaware of Biff's actions at first, and they leave Jennifer on her front porch. Her porch has got a little bench swing there, so they put her on that. Doc figures that if Marty comes, wakes her up, it'll be easier to convince her it was all a dream if she's in her own surroundings. Unfortunately, they quickly realize that the 1985 they've returned to has changed drastically. It's now a chaotic diasotopia with Biff as the wealthiest man in Hill Valley as one of the richest men in the world. The clock tower is a casino resort, Biff's pleasure paradise. Marty's mom, Lorraine, is now married to Biff. His father, George, is dead. And Doc has been committed to a mental hospital. After finding the bag that the almanac was in, as well as the top of Biff's cane in the DeLorean, 
Doc is able to kind of deduce what happened here. He explains it all to Marty with a, a diagram on a chalkboard. You know, if this is the space-time continuum, at some point it kind of veered into an alternate, and now we have to go back to whenever the timeline veered and correct things. Marty confronts Biff, finds out that it was November 12th, 1955, the date that he had just gone back from to return to 1985 in the first place, the date of the Hill Valley lightning storm. Biff traps Marty on the roof of his casino and then comments on how poetic it'll be killing two McFlies with the same gun, admitting to Marty that he's the man who killed his father, George. Doc shows up with the DeLorean just in the nick of time, opens the door, knocking Biff out. Marty climbs in, tells Doc the date that they have to go to, and they take off back to 1955. Once Doc and Marty arrive back in 1955, Doc warns Marty, there are now two of you here, and there's two of me here, and we must be careful not to run into our other selves. Marty begins to follow young Biff and watches him receive the almanac from future Biff, making sure not to interfere in the transaction because old Biff needs to think he was successful and go back to 2015 so that Marty and Doc have the DeLorean to be here in in the first place. Marty then follows Biff to the enchantment under the sea dance, all while trying to be careful not to interfere with his other self. Otherwise, he could alter his history again. And then you got to try and unravel that, and it just becomes a big, big mess. After several attempts to get the almanac, he's finally able to grab it after George knocks Biff out. However, Biff is able to regain it back when he finds Marty and tries to goad him into a fight. The Marty who just finished playing Johnny Be Good leaves the dance, and the door swings open, knocking down the Marty with the almanac. Biff grabs the almanac, takes off. Marty radios Doc on the walkie-talkie, tells him that he's lost the almanac. Doc grabs Marty from the dance, and they begin to chase Biff down. Marty is able to obtain the almanac again, and then he starts to try to escape the tunnel. Biff begins to chase him in his car, and Biff rams Marty a little bit. Marty is able to hold on to the hood of the car as Biff is accelerating, trying to do away with Marty. Doc in the DeLorean drops down like a little flag rope. Marty is able to grab onto and take off just as Biff crashes into the back of the manure truck again. Time number two, Biff and Manure. Doc and Marty head to a safe place, and Doc orders Marty to burn the almanac. This alters the changes in the time. We see Doc committed newspaper change to Doc commended. And before Doc can land and get Marty, the DeLorean is struck by the lightning storm, sending Doc off into time somewhere. Almost instantly, a Western Union courier arrives and delivers to Marty a letter that they've had in their possession for the last 70 years. The letter is from Doc, telling Marty that he's been living well for the last few months in 1885, and Marty is just blown away by the fact that the doc is still alive. Doc orders Marty not to come. But what's a teenager going to do? He's not going to listen. 
Marty runs back into town to find 1955 Doc, who just sent the other Marty back to 1985. So at this point in time, there's now only one of each again. His 1985 Doc is in 1885. And the Marty from the original movie just went back to 1985. Doc is shocked by Marty's reappearance. He thinks that the experiment has failed. Doc faints as this chapter in our trilogy comes to a close. Once again, Back to the Future Part 2, just, just an outstanding piece of film work. As I said, it is by and far my favorite in the series. It definitely was at the time. Now, now I'll admit that Part 3 has edged up a little bit there in recent years, especially with my love for Westerns like Tombstone and Young Guns. But Back to the Future 2 definitely was a great piece of business. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money's made. Here to join me to continue discussing how epic Back to the Future 2 is. None other than my brother from another mother, Jeff Meacham. And I see you have the USA Today there, sir. Anything good in oh, there? Oh, yeah. Hey, okay, hi. Okay, hi. Sorry. Just weird hoverboard thing in Hill Valley. Anyway, um, yes, that came out uh, six You're years ago. You're such a dork. That was six years ago. Like, what the frick, Jay? 2015 was six years ago. What the hell? I know. It's supposed to be in the future. Anyway, Yes. Yesterday we covered quite possibly the closest thing to a perfect film in the history of cinema. This one is very good, but it does falter. It does. For sure. It does. And I'm not, and again, you know, I, I try very hard not to crap on these three movies because they are my favorite movies of all time. And, but you know, I, I gotta be, you know, unbiased, uh, unbiased co-host guy here so appreciate that thank you um the the main thing that bugs me about two is just the sheer like i'm i'm trying to word it that's not like a complete jackass i really want to come off as a jackass but um we talked about it yesterday the whole replacement of crispin glover was very very uh handled poorly uh, Handle poorly is a great way to put it. Yeah, I mean, if if you read, it sounds read politically correct, right? If you read interviews over the years, Crispin's story changes a couple times. The first time, of course, is the money thing, and then he talks about well, the message was poor because you know the 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 people gained uh, gained their happiness and their through wealth, and it's like, dude, that's the whole point. Like Biff gets his in the end because of what he does, like. He takes this thing out of the DeLorean and it goes back and changes history, shoots your stupid ass, and he fix and Mark, your son fixes it. It makes it okay. Like, why are you having a moral conflict with this? It's all good in the end, brother. So if it's about the moral conflict, shut the hell up. If it's about yeah. the money, dude, I'm all I'm all on you, dude. Because because, because apparently Crispin didn't read the script well enough because Marty wanted to do what Biff did. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like the first the first few minutes of 2015, Marty buys the damn thing. Doc knows because the receipt was still in the bag. Along with old Biff's cane. We saw it in the movie. I dropped the almanac. I'm I'm wrecking shit in my house here. Don't mind me. Um and got this ridiculous hat from the future. Like, what the hell were they wearing? We didn't wear this shit in 2015 for real. Like, this is terrible. Uh, my goodness. Um, anyway, so if you really think about it, like Marty went back because he had to right the wrong. He says it in the script. Son of a bitch stole my idea. If it hadn't, it's my fault. 
Hold me up, mm-hmm. like he has the moment where, oh, I done did it. I I did it to my damn self. I did it to my family. This is my bad. I have mm-hmm. to make this right. It's like he has the moment of moral amb- ambiguity. So it's like, Crispin, if that's your beef, shut up. You're full of crap. Yeah. Okay, for real, you're full of shit at this point, Chris. However, the money thing we talked about yesterday. You, he, he claimed he was offered half of what Michael, Chris, Christopher, um, and uh, Leah and Tom were offered, which if that's the case, that's not cool. Half of what Michael and Christopher were offered, I could see that. But also Tom and Leah, not so much. That's not yeah, cool. Yeah, Especially so. when you figure the fact that Marty... And even to a lesser extent, or not Marty, excuse me, George, and to a lesser extent, Lorraine, didn't really factor in that much to the second and third movies. No. Now, Leah, yeah, she played a bigger part because she still had the other roles that she did. Right. And, you know, especially in part three, playing Seamus's wife. Right. When you think about it, though, from what we've been told over the years, the original plan for part two was 1967. Lorraine was the flower child. George was whatever he had become after taking Biff out in 55. And there may have been conflict there. So had Crispin stayed on, we may have a whole different uh, thing play out in, in part sure. two going into part three. The fact that Crispin flat out said, I'm not coming back. Bob Gale went, kill him off. Screw it. And, and you know what? Granted, the, the the moral implications and the way they did Crispin dirty, shitty, absolutely shitty. But the story that evolved, oh my god, is it so good? Oh my god, like, like it's it, it, okay. This is not a political commentary. Do not take it as such. Thank you very much. They have said repeatedly over the years, this horrific '85 Biff is based on Donald Trump. Correct me if I'm wrong, and we'll, then we'll move on. Um, if you think of Trump, the casino owner, Trump, the, the not philanthropist, <laughs> that's funny, the businessman, you can see the parallels, and you can see that because it, it it was it, it was predestined in the script later as the, as the story went on, and there's this deleted scene you don't get unless you're on the DVD or Blu-ray where Old Biff fades away because he had been shot. A year after we see all this unfold, maybe five, he had become the president. Like he had been elected president in the United States or whatever in '88 or whatever it was. But Lorraine shot him because she was just done. So the guy based on Trump ends up becoming president and gets shot because he becomes too power crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one right there where it is and just keep on going. Other than that, other than other than Crispin Glover being done dirty and the fact that they had to do something with uh, Jennifer's character because they just they put her in the car. Like, what are they going to yeah. do at the beginning of the movie? Like, they, they, they had something. they known it was going to be a part two, they wouldn't dick themselves like that, but they did. So, and of course, you know, Claudia yeah. had the thing where her mom got sick and she had to leave at, uh, Hollywood for a long time after that. she was gone for a while. And yeah. they had, God bless Elizabeth, she came into a really tense situation because Claudia had to leave. Crispin was basically forced out. She's coming into a, a cast where there's a, there's a lot of shit going on that nobody knows about. So good on her for being a trooper and doing that ridiculous fainting thing and then the I get married in the chapel at the worst voice this side of freaking Roger Rabbit, which is being made at the same time by the way. Um, by Zemeckis. Um, just- and Charles Fleischer is in part two. <laughs> I know. Like, nobody knows that, though. It's so funny. Like, okay, for those of you who don't know, Tony, the guy that Marty thumbprints the money for for the clock tower, and the guy that fixes Biff's car 60 years before, that's Charles Fleischer. That's Roger Rabbit's voice. No joke. And when you hear him talk and you watch Roger Rabbit, it will mind fuck you. There's your one F word. It will happen. I promise you it will. Trust me, it did it to me. I didn't know it for years. And then I found out, I'm like, I hate everybody and everything. Because now I can't unhear it. It's like, God. Um, Definitely. Once they had to deal with the Crispin thing and they did it, they told a very, very 
good story, a very dark story, and they concluded it masterfully with a ridiculously good cliffhanger. Um, I love the line by Marty, you know, uh, the, the Western Union guy, hey, kid, you need help? There's only one man who can help me. And then they cut to the freaking clock tower docks. Like, like he was in part one. It's like, wait, wait a minute, we're back here again? We just did this shit. <laughs> and trust me, watching it back to back Monday night, I did just do this shit. So I'm like, here we go again. Okay, here we go. Yep. And then part three opens with the same damn scene. I'm like, I won't go to bed. <laughs> we're starting over again three times. Um, it. You know, that's it, it, that's the thing I love about these movies is the attention to detail as far as where they leave yes. and then yes. pick the story up. Yeah. With the exception of the actress change between Claudia Wells and Elizabeth Shue. Right. Shot first shot first shot where they ended, where they picked up so that everything just goes smoothly. Right, the one the one moment in the in the closing of one that differed in the opening of two was Doc's hesitation when Marty acts become assholes or something. In the first one, he just oh no no no. In the second one, he goes oh no no no. So it's it's minute and it's a nitpick. I don't give a shit. I can do it. Um, But if you don't watch them back to back, you don't notice it. Well, well, that's the thing. When you're up at, you know, one o'clock in the morning and you're watching them back to back, your brain goes, why did that happen? Come on, Christopher, you're better than that. And then you're like, oh, wait, two movies. I'd almost like to take the three movies and cut those little intro scenes and just have it run as one epic four and a half hour movie. Had I... Had I had the foresight to find my pause button in time and you know cut or whatever, I probably would have done it. But I was just like, I just want. I actually, I mostly had them on in the background because I was actually trying to get this office clean and it's not there. Um. Anyway, work in uh, progress. But I again, I, I this we talked about it yesterday how how this compares with the original classic. 1980 Star Wars, 70s, 80s Star Wars trilogy, the original theatrical releases. And like I said, this one, this one fights with Empire for, uh, I mean, neck and neck. It really does, as does Jedi with uh, Part 3, where I think Part 3 is better than Jedi. And I do agree I, with you. I will Empire, co-sign with you at that. And, and, and I, I do agree with you that Empire does edge out Part 2 only because of the revelation. I think every other point in both stories is just amazing. And the way they continue on with the threads they left in the previous movie. Yeah, remember, Back to the Future is basically, like you said, one one freaking day. I mean, it starts on one day and ends the next day at the end of part three. So it's really just one day with a whole bunch of what the hell's going on mixed in that 24-hour period. So... But Empire, you know, uh, the original trilogy starts out, you know, it, it lays out over the course of a couple of years. So, yeah. but they they both lay very good foundations down in part one. That, I mean, they're 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 right there. They really are. But I do feel that with the revelation of spoiler alert, if you missed yesterday, uh, Vader's uh, uh, connection to Luke Skywalker, that. Um, Empire is a better sequel, but as we've talked about, Star Wars has evolved into this big giant juggernaut of a saga that now yeah. is owned by the great and powerful Mickey the Mouse. So you know it, it really can't be considered a standalone trilogy anymore because they've they've you know they, they did a Pee Wee connect the dots la 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 connect the dots over the last 40, 40 something years now. So um 40, 44 years. Wow, I'm gonna need a moment for that one. Um, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Like it's still younger than you, but it's like, hello, yeah. McFly. <laughs> I know. And that's next month, right? Sci-fi is next month, right? Okay. Yeah, Jesus. May. Yeah, it's gonna be May. There you go. All right, here we go. It's um, gonna be May. Yeah. That should be the commercial. We get away with it anyway. Um, but we can't, so we won't. No. Uh, because we're not. Well, when we think anymore. of Back to the Future too, let's try to reel it back in. Here. Oh, yeah, here we go. Sorry. When we think about Back to the Future 2, obviously one of the first things that everybody thinks about is the hoverboard. And the damn shoes. The chase, those self-lacing shoes. Power laces, all right. 
you know. It, it's such a shame that the hoverboards we did end up getting for 2015 were nothing like this. Like, yeah, we did. We did get hoverboards, not right. the same, but we did end up getting hoverboards. Right. I do believe the self-lacing shoes did end up coming out. They do. They're on my Amazon wish list for my Marty costume. And if I want to hit the lottery or, you know, sell the house or, you know, I, I, I can get a pair. And then the only other thing that even came close to happening that was predicted is the Cubbies were one year late. They were so close in 2015. What's But they won the World Series in 2016. What's cruddy is, though, Miami, the actual team that was the Florida Marlins at the time, this was start like the Florida Marlins were starting to become a thing. They hadn't actually been officially founded yet by the time these movies came out, but they moved. They, they ended up being renamed the Miami Marlins. Only problem is they're a same, they're in the same league as the Chicago Cubs, the National League. If they had been in the American League and they'd have both been in the playoffs in 2015, people would have been busting a nut like for real. It would have been really like. Oh my God. Yes, but it didn't work out that way. So they could be National League champions. It's not the same, kids. So, but it would have been cool for sure. Yeah, we came so close. We did, yet still so far away. Sorry. And then this is also the the movie that has the most visited time periods in it because we start in modern day 1985. Right. Then we go to 2015. Then we go to the jacked up 1985. Then we go to 1955. That's where we stop. <laughs> but we set up going to 1885 because we get the little trailer, if you yes. will, yes. at the very end showing us what's to come in part three. Yes. So technically, in part two, we see five different time periods. Right, because they... they, they Holy hell, the and for, for an hour and 40-minute movie? Like, you do the math, that's about 20 minutes per time period. That's some, that's some quantum level shit right there, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's like, where's Scott Steiner when you need this type of math? Yeah, I, 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 I don't want Scott Snyder doing this math. He'll, he'll, his freaking brain will short circuit for sure. Um, that that was the cool part about them doing two and three back to back was they had enough footage cut from three where they could add on that trailer and get people hope that everything's gonna be okay. Because I mean, I yeah. mean, at the end we we get ninety fifty five Doc passes out in the middle of the street. We're like, um, okay, now what? <laughs> But we are told that, you know, more is to come because we do get the tag of to be concluded. Yeah, that's it. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money's made. What would you say for you is the lasting legacy of Back to the Future Part 2? Well, again, this is going to sound really like lame of, of me but other than the trump connection which again just it, it really hits home with him being elected president and really becoming such a prominent figure in our culture the last i'll say the last five six years more than any other i mean because you and i being wrestling fans trump's been part of our lives since freaking like 88 so you know it's like he, right. he's been around he's a hall of famer but i know, would say trump became a lot more prominent when the apprentice started and that was in the mid 2000s okay so, so we'll say about 2005 2006 i could be off in years there so so you figure <clears> when, <throat> when you see the ridiculous and granted biff is a way over exaggeration trump is nowhere near that psychotic or evil in most people's eyes um so i was just gonna say be careful what you say i have you on film saying this (laughs) i know what i feel about him i'm not getting thrown off the air i'm not gonna have people writing me hate mail if you love him good for you i'm whatever um other than the 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 scary comparisons between the two uh him and biff uh uh, 85a biff the lasting legacy of this movie is 
um, the completely unimaginable beforehand uh, innovations by ILM. I mean, they went to town on this film. The when when, when you talk about the, the 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 Virtue Glide, I think it's called the camera where they had set up where they had Michael J. Fox playing. I think three parts, maybe four parts in that kitchen. Because um, you figure he played, three. he played 2015 Marty, Marty Jr. and um, uh, hell, what's his daughter's name? Oh, Marlene. Marlene, thank you. Good grief, terrible Jeff. Um, figure you got you got three different Michael J. Foxes in the same shot, and if there's an earthquake, you know, during in between takes, uh oh, and sure enough, there was. Believe it or not, um, you've got two Elizabeth shoes in the same shot. You've got um, you know, poor Jeffrey Weissman, man. Not only does he come into a bad situation trying to, you know, pretend he's Crispin Glover's face, but he's got to hang upside down in this thing called an ortholev and be freaking carted around the house upside down and only gets rest by having his back elevated so he can lay flat, like freaking take a flat back bump like we wrestler kids know how to do. Um, dude, like there was so much innovation in the house in Hillbell scene alone. Yeah. Like, Technology buffs look at that movie and go, like they really do. It's and I, I'm one of them. I, I think it's amazing. And when you think about it, picture and picture TV, multi-screen picture TV, huge wide, uh, wall long, wall long screen TVs. You know, smart TVs. That can TVs. Be, what's that? Smart TVs. Smart TVs. TVs Never. that can be, you know, wound up and taken with you somewhere. Yeah. Shit. respond to voice right commands yeah it's it's it, shows like this and, and again it's going to give everybody in this movie way too much credit but you know phones like this computers like this tvs like i have behind me here or not behind me here but behind you guys um in are, front of you are, are, are in front of me very good thanks see that's why he's the host i'm just coming in and co-hosting this shit that, 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 that's why he gets paid the big bucks on this channel um <laughs> what big bucks we, we, start start sponsoring him do buy a shirt something i don't know whatever um buy this shirt it was, we plugged it yesterday um anyway uh stuff like that is because a huge part is because of this movie and because of all the all the stuff they got right. I mean, they even said it in the in the the bonus features. They got the fifty percent right. You know, they got all that TV stuff, all the electronic stuff, pretty much on point. They did have yes, power laces were invented because of this movie. Yes, but you know, there are shoes now that will lace for you if you're that much of a lazy fat ass. You can have your laces powered lace for you. Good on you. And if you're gonna spend five dollars on shoes, you can afford to be lazy. So good on you, kids. Um, the hoverboard, yeah. The hoverboards we got weren't what we wanted, like we have here in the movie. But for what they were, they were still pretty cool. I mean, you know, I mean, the fact that you're actually having something hover above the ground that can support a not quite my size, but grown ass man, you know, that's that's pretty cool. That people would take the time because they love these movies so much and go, I want to do that. There's a huge section on the Back in Time documentary, which I cannot recommend enough. Um, where these people were the first to actually have a working hoverboard actually hover off the ground using magnetics like they do in the hoverboard, like they do in the vehicle in Star Wars, the uh, the little cruiser thing they take over to Moss Eisley, very similar technology, and they pulled it off. And it was like a like a tear moment, like, oh shit, we did it. Like, that's what this movie, this movie in particular is to me. Yeah, it's dark. Yeah, it's gritty. Yeah, the 85A stuff is really scary. And the, the deleted scenes are even worse. So if you have the Blu-ray DVD copies, watch the deleted scenes, your freaking mind will get blown. I'll tell you that right now. Um, uh, but the innovations in 2015 and how much they got right is the legacy. So basically, you, you asked me what time it was, I told you had to make the watch. So there you go. Innovations, that's a good word. You know, you were sitting there talking about the house, and I was going to bring up, you know, to to mix things that we love so much. Right. Innovations at Disney was such right. a crock when it opened. Yeah. You know, 
should they have done something like this house inside of Interventions? Granted, I get Universal owns the rights, but, you know, technology is such that one company doesn't own all that technology. Right. Now, you know, if Disney tried to put a hoverboard in there, okay, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that would be drawing a line. But right. as far as the technology we saw in the house, you know, the fruit basket that comes down from the ceiling, the multi-TVs and the picture and picture and picture and everything, seven, what was it, six channels on one TV? Right, right. Had they tried to do something like that with interventions once they had finally gutted America Sings? Right. And switched it over before it became Stark Tech, before it became Star Wars meet and greet. Star Wars Landing Bay, for lack of a better term. Actually, briefly... Do you think it would have been more successful is what I'm I trying to get to? I don't think here, and, you, and you, you, you probably know better than I do, despite my Disney, ridiculous Disney knowledge also. Um, January, on my uh, stream, my, my Disney Fix stream, I did Carousel Progress. Yes. That was very much what the 50s thought was going to be like when mm-hmm. that show premiered. If they did something even like that, it would have been at least more entertaining. Now, some of the stuff in Interventions in that mock house they had, as a youngin', I liked it. Like, I, I had fun, you know, playing with the gadgets in that house. But when you were a Back to the Future fan, like it ultimately became not too long after... It's kind of like, yeah, this is lame. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> so, what I would have liked to have seen, um, and again, this is me, you know, hindsight booking the territory 20 years later, or 30 years later now. Um, so as, we do. A, yeah, as we do. As an offshoot or as a side building to the Institute of Future Technology, have the house. There you go. That would have, I mean, there was so much dead land back there at the time at Universal on either coast that they could have easily put a a Hilldale style house and shown like just I th- and again this is me completely not knowing anything about any damn thing Universal's uh, intent with their theme parks was not necessarily to be innovative or be, you know, uh, uh, overly uh, competitive with Disney or with whoever. It was more about showcasing their properties however they could with whatever they could. Now, at the time, the, the property they had on either coast, they had enough space, they felt, for a Back to the Future simulator. And granted, I love that damn thing to this day. I'm glad I'm pissed off it's gone. Talking about it yesterday. But you know, if you if if you look at where well, at least here, I, I I had not been to Orlando except once on Universal property, and that was 2004, long after it was gone. So I I, I was only I was literally at City Walk and the soundstage where TNA was taped. That's all that's all I saw of Universal Orlando back in 2004. So I don't really know where it laid out on that coast, but out here. If I remember right, the where the IFT was, where the back feature I was, there was way more than enough room to have a intervention style building where the house could have been set up, where technology could have been displayed. Where I mean, all we saw with the technology was behind the the the, the proverbial, you know, don't don't pass the velvet rope shit. Like that's fine, but if you want to grasp your audience. And yeah, it would have been great to have something like that at Universal Studios. Yeah. You know, and maybe if they had had somebody like us in their planning committee, you know, something like that could have been done. You know, Universal, Universal will never be Disney. Well, no. So the whole grand scale attraction is always going to be just out of their grasp. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah. And they also tend to keep their attractions a lot less time than Disney does. Yes. I will say, you this. Know, you figure 
I'm not exactly sure the length of time, but I want to say Back to the Future of the Ride was maybe there for 10 years from open to close before it became The Simpsons. I will check that. Keep going. Where the E.T. attraction is, I believe, is now a mummy attraction. Right. You know, they they flip their properties so quickly because they are a studio more than an amusement park destination. So there's not the opportunity for generations to build lasting memories of stuff, unfortunately. Right. You know, and that's that's the biggest problem, I feel, with the Universal theme park. Now, hopefully, with the Harry Potter world, you know, things will change and expand to a more grand scale right and especially after the fire that they had which ironically destroyed the clock tower not entirely but yeah i i, I do know i do know there's the, it suffered damage for sure the thing you that know, really destroyed the building the building that destroyed for sure was the king kong building that was that's gone. yeah like it went, it went up like a like a, cind- a cinder. It was bad. But but the the thing I'm getting at here is why not revamp some of that terrain now? I know. For other attractions, like as much as I'd love to see the clock tower restored, I'd much rather it be Back to the Future: The Ride, right? And just reinstall the ride where the clock tower used to be. Think, McFly. Think. Yep. It so, writes itself. For the record, it opened. It was supposed to open on both coasts the same day. It didn't work out that way because of playing out here. Because playing out here, we suck. Um, it oh, it was a soft open on May first, ninety one. Opened for sure the next day, May second. Closed in March thirtieth, two thousand seven. So it was open okay, so for fifteen a years. Over 15 years. A little fifteen years back in Florida. It didn't open here until June of ninety three. And it closed in September of 07. So it was open just under, just over 14 years here as well. Now, Japan, those bastards, they got it open in March 2001 and had it for 15 years until only five years ago it closed. And, and in just that after case, 2015. <laughs> exactly. And only replaced because it was replaced by the Despicable Me Minion Mayhem, which I think is a similar attraction to here. I don't know what the ride is called here, but it's a similar type thing. Um, but yeah, it's there. There is no and and I get that the Simpsons are a very popular property. They have been from the get. Okay, but technically speaking, they're not a Universal property. Right, they're, Fox they're owned property. by Fox, which is now and owned Disney. By- Disney, now owns yeah. Fox. So, say, so there's a Disney attraction in Universal, Universal Studios. Studios, yeah. And much like when they had the the, the weird marriage of uh, Universal Studios and Nickelodeon, which is a Viacom, which is CBS slash Paramount now, when SpongeBob was part of Universal and still is to this day, I go, like, I get they're supposed to be like the movie studio, like they have everybody, but you took out my DeLorean, kiss my ass. <laughs> Yeah, like the DeLorean, real. the Back to the Future ride is gone now for something that belongs at Disney. Yeah, like and yeah, and if you really want to get nitpicky, there's a lot of shit back in Florida that's owned by Marvel, which mm-hmm. is also owned by Disney now. Yeah, so, so. yeah, and what, what 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 I find really dumb is like I get closing that area of the park off and taking down the hotel, whatever, and putting Harry Potter world because we needed a Harry Potter something out here because Florida was whooping our ass with uh, a ticket intake and whatever. And I get that. That's fine. There was no reason to take out Back to the Future for the Simpsons. All you do, not necessarily refurb it because you don't want to change the ride. You just want to clean it up. Make it a little more streamlined. Make it so yeah. the dates on the thing don't read 1991 no more. You know, stuff like that. Like, basic little stuff. Completely agree. Completely agree. 
looks like we've lost Jeff temporarily when he comes back. Okay, there he is. Can you hear me? Yep. Sorry about that. Damn alarm went off. I apologize. No, it's all good. It's good timing because it's about time we wrap. It was this telling me session. to stop talking about the damn bitching I have about freaking Back to the Future being gone. Anyway, it's all good. It's about time to wrap this one up. Anyways, right. what do you guys think of Back to the Future Part Two? Let us know in the comment below box below. As always, we yes. appreciate your thoughts, your criticisms, your comments. They just might be featured on this month's Renegade Recap at the end of the month once my schedule is released and date can be determined. Thank you once again, Jeff, for joining me here as we discussed the second film in the Back to the Future trilogy. I'm sure you'll be joining me again tomorrow as we round out the Spielberg, Zemeckis, Gale ensemble and discuss Back to the Future Part 3. But as always, there's only one man that can determine that, and that is you, sir. So you let me know. I'll be here tomorrow for sure. Definitely. You know, you're always welcome. Always Thank you nice. for joining me here, as always, and I will see you all next time.